Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Hey, hey, Kurt Morrison here. Welcome to Maximize Your Influence. This is podcast number 177. Steve Olson's on hiatus, but let's get into influence tools, things to take your life and your income to the next level. That's what we want to focus on. It's a holiday week for some of you. I did pretty much nothing, did some catch-up, did a few family things, but for the most part, relaxed a little bit, no stress, so that felt good. Hopefully, your holiday was a little bit more exciting than mine. We have a great interview for you today, but before we get into that, we got to do the geeky article. <laughs> so this is actually one of the 12 laws of persuasion in my book, Maximum Influence. So I'll pull from there and Richard Fenstra, who's an educational psychologist, and of course, your favorite, Journal of Experimental Social Psychology. Let's talk about obligation, reciprocity, whatever you want to call it. This is hardwired into our brain. We have to reciprocate. When people give us something, a favor, a gift, even a compliment, we need to reciprocate. You go down to the jungles of South America in the rainforest. With people that don't have a lot of contact with the outside world, this is still built into it. In fact, when we're given a gift, the regions of the brains associated with emotion and decision, they light up. There's just something powerful about this. And One of the studies I talked about in my book was the Coca-Cola experiment. So people were brought into the room. This guy, I think his name was Joe, right, as we called him, Joe. He did things to cause the people to like him or dislike him. Pretty simple. So then after that, he came back with a Coke. Sometimes he shared it, sometimes he didn't. And they're trying to look, okay, what's more powerful, the liking or the reciprocity? And they found that the liking did have a factor, but the reciprocity trumped it. So his goal was to sell them raffle tickets, and they found that he sold twice as many tickets when they offered them a Coke using the reciprocity. So there's something about reciprocity. Can we see this all the time? You can go to a food court and there's a free sample. Or you receive a letter in the mail with the free return address stickers. That increases it. They've even done this with doctors. They give them, I think it was a $20 bill. That increased the amount of surveys that came back. So you can use this strategically with what you do. Reciprocity is powerful. Now, the key about reciprocity just puts you on the top of the list. doesn't guarantee they're going to do business with you. But if you give somebody of your time a compliment, a gift, something, a free audio about what you do or a free audio about solving one of their challenges, what can you give away that has a high perceived value but a low cost to you? I was coaching a real estate agent and we created an audio. It was seven things you need to know before you buy a house. And then we also did seven things you know before you sell your house. Free audio, put them on top of the list, proved his worth, showed him as an expert, and made a huge difference. Again, it doesn't guarantee people will do business with you, but you put you on the top of the list. That's why I see free pizza, or free waters, or free analysis, or a free bid. Any of those things will work out as you do this. Free reciprocity, giving things away, makes a big, big difference. In fact, here's an example. Sit in my office, guy comes in, wants to sell office supplies, we're under contract, can't do it. He says, hey, would you mind if we left you 12 warm chocolate chip cookies late in the afternoon. Well, duh, I wouldn't want that. Do it. And he would come by every couple months, leave some cookies. I don't even remember his name. We just called him the Cookie Man, and we all liked him first cookies. <laughs> we eventually got to know him. 
but it put him on our list. Next time we needed office supplies, we were looking around, we gave him a shot and actually did business with him, not because of the cookies. Well, let me put it to you this way. He got a shot because of the cookies, but of course he had a good product and he fulfilled our needs. That's part of the process. And we did business with him. So think about it. What can you give away? High perceived value, low cost. Is it an audio? Is it a gift? Is it your time? What can you do to trigger reciprocity? Because it's real. It's wired in our brain. It's a subconscious trigger. And it makes a huge difference in your ability to influence. Now, those of you who want more information on reciprocity, I spent time on Podcast 21 exclusively on this technique. Take a look at that. That's in the archives. If you want access to the archives, you need to go to healthepain.com, which is a direct link to Influence University. The free area has the archives of the podcast and the four-minute persuasion tools. If you want to take a look at the extensive PhD advanced, I really want to learn influence program. So take a look at that. And at this time, what we need to do is get the interview with Evan Carmichael. Welcome today, as we have a great guest, Evan Carmichael, that will teach you some things that will make a huge difference. So make sure you're taking notes, and unless you're driving, don't want to do that. Hey, Evan, welcome. Thanks for having me, Kurt. It's an honor to be here. It's so good to have you, and as our listeners know, the very first question that we need to get started with is, all right, here it is. What is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? <laughs> I have never been asked that question, let alone a lead-off question. Eggplant. <laughs> oh, I'm with you on that one. It's just mushy and <laughs> I hate the texture. I don't know. The taste and the texture combination just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I'm with you on eggplant. My parents tried to grow it in the backyard. They wondered why it never grew right. Because <laughs> a little sabotage on my end, but we'll take eggplant. That's probably at least in the top 10. The top one, so you know, is always Brussels sprouts for some reason. Probably the same thing, texture. I, I would take Brussels sprouts over eggplant. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's good to know. Good to know. Other thing we do on the show is we look for persuasion blunders. And so as you get out in the world, as you monitor people in the world of influence and persuasion, and this is something that maybe you've committed, because I think we've all done blunders or that you've seen. I know you work a lot with entrepreneurs. What do you feel is the greatest blunder around the world of influence that you've seen or you've committed? I think if you're looking at trying to influence other people, it's seeing the world through your eyes instead of theirs and putting your judgments on them, of what you would do in their situation instead of trying to come from their perspective. So I having the wrong filter, I guess that would be? Sure. Yeah, I think wrong filter, wrong judgments, wrong assumptions, any of those work. I'm with you on that one. When you, we prejudge, it kind of sucks the life out of our presentation or we try to solve the wrong objection or don't see it the right way. And that's a huge one if we're in the world of influence and persuasion. If we prejudge them, our whole persuasive presentation goes downhill. So I'll take that one. That's a good one. And that's something all our listeners can take away because when you look through the wrong filter, you see someone in the wrong way, you prejudge them, you assume what they need or what you think they need, it goes downhill really fast. So just let our listeners know that Evan is the author of Your One Word. It's called The Powerful Secret to Creating Business and Life That Matters. So, Evan, tell us a little bit about your background and why you wrote this book. Sure. Quick background, and we can dive deeper if you want. I had my first company when I was 19. Struggled a lot in the early days, making 300 bucks a month. Eventually, though, built it up, sold it, got acquired, uh, joined the venture capital industry, was raising half a million to 15 million for companies who wanted to expand. 
and then started my business here helping entrepreneurs, providing motivation strategies to help them grow. I have a popular website, a popular YouTube channel that you can check out. And Kurt was on the channel dishing some knowledge not that long ago. So you can go check that one out. Lots of value there. And wrote a book called Your One Word. And the idea with this book is I feel a lot of people are walking around kind of in the mud, feeling like they have more potential, not necessarily down on their life, just feeling like I could be doing more. Like my, I'm nowhere close to my ceiling, but I'm not, I'm not coming close to it. There's more in me that I'm not realizing. And for me, the answer comes down to self-awareness. It's understanding what your one most important core value is. I call it your one word. What the thing is that drives you, that's brought you the most joy in the past and will continue to bring you the most joy in the future. And then now building your business, if you're an entrepreneur, or your career and your life around that so it can be done with a lot more purpose. I like that because when you have that purpose, that passion, that value, everything's a little easier. Motivation's a little easier. Life's a little easier. You're a little happier. So the question I have here is, as you work with entrepreneurs and they're looking for that purpose, that passion, that value, as you called it, and they're not quite sure what that is. I mean, they might be close or maybe they've tried something. They thought it was their passion and then they realize it wasn't. How do they really hone in to finding that passion, that purpose, that, that value? Yeah. So I would two-step it. I would separate your value from the passion. So the value would be like as a human being, we all have core values. We have things that are important to us. For some people, maybe family. For some people, maybe integrity. For some people, it might be passion. They may, Whatever it is that you have your core value. And to find that you look back to all of the happiest moments in your life, like your highest highs. I mean, what did you love about your teachers growing up? Or what do you love about listening to the Kurt show? Like there's something here that you're coming all the time to listen to. What is it about Kurt's spirit that you love? And if you look at all the best moments in your life, there's something that unifies them. And that is your most important core value. That's your one word. Or you can go negative. Some people have an easier time going negative or thinking about the people you can't stand being around. You hate them. Like you never want to be close to them. It's not that they're bad people. They just have a core value that just does not resonate well with you. And so the opposite is going to be your most important core value, your one word. And so doing that exercise, thinking about what's made you really happy in the past, finding that core value. And then now you can plan going forward to build a life and business around that instead of just randomly hoping that things happen. In terms of finding your passion, that now becomes the execution. So what are we gonna do day to day? What is our life gonna be about? What job are we gonna go get? What are we gonna go and sell? What company are we gonna launch? And if you don't know what that is, I encourage people to test out a lot of stuff. Say yes to a lot. You get a little idea in your head of that would be a cool thing to try. Go out and try it. Don't build it up as some huge massive project that you need a huge budget for and then you never actually take any action on it. As soon as you figure out something that you wanna go out and try, give it a shot and then see, did it make you come alive? Do you wanna go and do it again? Do you wanna follow this path a little bit more or do you wanna quit? I like that, say yes more often to more people. I guess unless it's a convicted felon and maybe you wouldn't wanna say yes, but that's a whole other thing. But I agree with you, saying yes to more things, to more people more often and kind of, for some people that purpose, that passion, a lot of times it's like sculpting, you're getting a little closer, a little closer, and that's part of life's process and something that's very important. But what would you say as you work with entrepreneurs? I've seen this. I'm sure you've seen this. They, they get into their passion. They start a business. It's not happening as fast as they want. Maybe it didn't work out. And they say, well, it doesn't work for me. You see uh, hundreds of other entrepreneurs have made it work out, but they didn't make it work. What do you tell them? What do you suggest to them? Because we see that quite a bit. Starting a business, being an entrepreneur is one of the hardest things you're ever going to do in your life. It's torture. It really is. It's torture. You wake up every day and you grind. 
And the trick is you need to find the torture. Seinfeld says this. You need to find the torture that you can tolerate. You find the torture that you enjoy. Like if I looked at Kurt's schedule and say, wow, you've done 200 episodes. That's amazing. I don't I couldn't do that. That's crazy. How do you how do you balance that schedule? How do you book the guests? And, and if they look at the background behind everything that goes into Maximize Your Influence, they may see that that's just crazy. Like, Kurt, that's torture. I don't know how you can do it. But for you, you like it. It's enjoyable. It's fun. And looking at your schedule with the speaking and the books and all that, like for you, yes, it's work, but it's work that you enjoy. And I think that's a key difference. Like if people were to look at your schedule, it should feel like torture for anybody else. That's the only way you're going to have success. You love the thing that you're doing so much that the result, yes, the result matters. Yes, we're trying to make money. Yes, we're trying to have a bigger influence and an impact on the world. But you love the work. You're not just attached to the result. If you're just chasing a quota, but you don't enjoy the process of getting there, you're never going to get that quota. So it sounds like our, the next book should be Enjoyable Torture, <laughs> The Life of an Entrepreneur. And there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, you're grinding, you're working hard, but it's, it's part of your passion. There's the enjoyable part to it. It does get challenging sometimes. And so what do you say to that entrepreneur that's, yeah, they've been working hard, they've been grinding, the motivation's starting to dwindle a little bit. What is the one thing that you would suggest getting back on track? Because... I think there's different levels of passion sometimes and after you've been working maybe four or five, six months and it's not quite there yet. What do you do or what do you recommend to other entrepreneurs to get that final boost of energy, that final motivation to get past the finish line? Well, this may be an unexpected answer. Maybe they shouldn't. Okay. Tell us. Right? More. Like maybe you shouldn't be going after that thing. Really, at the end of the day, you have to look at the why. Why are you doing this? The work, not just, again, the result. Like, yes, I want to provide an income for my family. I want to, you know, achieve these things. Again, you're attaching to the result. Like, why are we doing this podcast today? Why are you doing the actions in your work consistently? And if you can't get excited by that, then you may be in the wrong thing. And that's not to say that every day is exciting. There's a lot of really tough, terrible, dark days as an entrepreneur, especially if you're just starting up. So not every day is roses, but you need to be motivated by the work itself. What sometimes happens with entrepreneurs is they start a business and they maybe have some success, but then they get bored of their business. And this happens maybe not in the six months phase, but if you're looking a couple years down the road and what happens is they've changed, they've evolved, they want to try new things and they let the successes of the past be chains to prevent them from moving forward. Because if you are not continually growing with your business, then your business will start to die off. As you get new interests, as you get new passions, if you want to try something else, you have to bring that to your company as well. And so your business should always be a reflection of who you are. I'm sure, Kurt, when you started, maybe podcasting wasn't the thing that you were building your business around. And you said, hey, this is a cool thing to try. I want to test it out. Oh, I'm having some success and fun with it. And people are paying attention. And then your business evolves and grows. And as you get new interests and desires, you funnel that into what you're doing. That's how you sustain your motivation. That's how you sustain creativity and sustain the passion is that as entrepreneurs, we're creative people and we like doing new things. And so we need to bring that to our business consistently or we're going to get bored. Yeah, I agree with that. As entrepreneurs, we're always trying new things. It's almost like you're trying 10 different things to see what's going to work out. And one eventually works out. You never know what one that's going to be and just being flexible to be able to do that. That's good information. So working hard, obviously, is important as an entrepreneur. What do you feel is the most important mental traits or the mindset or the psyche of an entrepreneur? What have you seen that really helps them as far as the, the mental aspect of the game to, to keep them on track? That's a great question. So 
on my YouTube channel, we've probably done the most profiles of famous entrepreneurs and successful people anywhere on YouTube. And it's not what you think it is. A lot of people think to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to be a type A personality. You have to be the Mark Cuban yelling at people and just always on kind of personality. And that's not it at all. There's tons of people who are introverts and having massive success as an entrepreneur. You just never heard of them. And that's because they're betting on their strengths. You hear about the loudmouths because that's what they are. They're loudmouths. And so they want to go out and do it. And so it's not being introvert, extrovert. It's not about how much resources you have starting up. Really, it's about, one, having an idea. And everybody has an idea. But two, doing something about it. Most people don't ever do anything with their idea. They're sitting at some job that they hate. They're waking up and driving again to this job that they don't like. Maybe not Maybe not the Maximize Your Influence podcast listeners, but most people in America. And then they just realize, I have this idea, but they don't want to have the courage to do something about it. And so entrepreneurs, they do something about it. Even if it's small, they take some action and then they just take consistent action. They follow through, they keep going. And you'll find out a lot of the entrepreneurs are not genius level talent at school. They don't have a lot of the advantages that other people have growing up. They just had an idea, they did something with it and they stuck with it and they figured it out. Yeah, I see it a lot with entrepreneurs at persistence level. They fail and fail and try again and fail and fail and try again and fine-tune this and adjust this and keep trying until. And that is a great trait to have and focus on it. And so for the listeners who are maybe at a J-O-B, just doing a little bit every day, fine-tuning it, getting into that core passion of yours, finding that one word is a big piece of just getting into that success. Again, it's a lot like sculpting a little bit at a time until you've really tapped into that passion, that one word, the, the value that Evan had talked about. Great information. So tell me, what have I missed? What else do our listeners need to know to be successful in life and business? I think if we're looking at it from an influence perspective, we tend to focus on features and benefits a lot in selling, where it's really important to understand that there are going to be people who will have a need for your product or service, but if they don't like you, they won't buy from you. Unless you're like the last person, they will go out of their way not to buy from you because they don't like you or because they don't share the same values. And so needs and the features and benefits are really important, but more important is understanding the why of the person. So if I value family, like if that's my one word, family, you understand what motivates that person, you have a way easier job of influencing them, whether that's selling them a new car or whether that's getting them to take that job or however you want to influence them. Understanding what they value besides what they need is really important as a tool to help influence them to take the action that you want them to take. I agree 100%. As I study influence, if people don't like you, it <laughs> doesn't matter what tool or technique you have. You've got to go back and work on the people skills, work on the rapport, working on connecting with people, which is a huge aspect of influence. And some people say, well, it shouldn't matter. Like, it does. It's just reality. You've got to get people to like you. And different personalities, anybody can get along with people that are like you, but different styles, different personalities, different beliefs are important. So let me put you on the spot here. What do you feel as we talk about connecting with people and liking people? What is the most important people skill or a way to build rapport that you've seen out there that you could share with our listeners? I think it's just authenticity. Mm-hmm. If you don't really know what you're doing, don't fake it that you know what you're doing. Um, I'm reminded of advice that Larry King gave on a show about how to speak to anybody about anything. And Larry King, in my mind, is one of the greatest interviewers of all time. And when he was thrown into his first radio show last minute, he went on in the air and he said, you know what, guys, I'm Larry King. 
this is my first show and I'm really nervous. <laughs> and he didn't go on and say that he was some expert or pretend to be somebody that he wasn't. And the authenticity is endearing. And I think especially in this age where it's so easy to spot a fake, people's BS meters are higher than they've ever been, ever. You being authentic, and sometimes that may mean you lose the sale, um, but it also becomes your marketing path. Like if you really believe in integrity and that's super important to you, you're going to start attracting clients who also believe in integrity and they're going to tell their friends who also believe in integrity that you're the guy to deal with. Some people don't care about integrity. Some people just like, you know what? I want the best deal possible. I don't care if you screw the other guy over. I don't care. Whatever you need to get done, get me the deal. Being able to put a message out there to the people around you that this is what you stand for and then it helps you attract the right kinds of clients that you're going to have a lot of success with. Well, I agree. I think the mention the BS meter, it's going off before they even meet you. Yeah. And it's not even fair. I understand it's not fair, but people are so skeptical and distrusting and been taken advantage of and all these things that that meter's going off before they even meet you. So I like what you said, being authentic, being real, being genuine, showing that true empathy, being a real person is what people want. And once you have that, people open up to you. They want to be influenced by you. They want to be around you. And it makes a big difference. And you mentioned integrity. I was reading a study from UCLA. It said, you know, long term in business, the most important trait people said is integrity. You know, doing what you say, being real, being sincere, and that makes a big difference. So I agree. Learn to connect, be real, be authentic, be who you are. People appreciate that. They can spot a fake. They don't call you out on it and say, oh, you're being fake, you're being deceptive. They just never talk to you again. So if you're not getting a lot of callbacks, <laughs> if people are returning your product and they never want to talk to you again, we might need to be working on a few of those things. So just take note of that and start working on that and how you come across, especially when you meet people for the first time. So Evan, great information for our listeners. Let me ask you one final thing. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your book and the other things that you're doing? Awesome. So the book, wherever you guys buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, wherever you buy books, it's there. And for me, I hang out a lot on YouTube and Twitter and my website just off my name, evancarmichael.com. You'll find me in all those places and I look forward to connecting. Awesome. Check him out. The book is called Your One Word, tapping into that value to make a huge difference, especially in the life of an entrepreneur. Appreciate everybody listening today. Make sure you've mastered these skills, these techniques, and go out and persuade with power. 